This is Live Limitless, episode number 12. Welcome to the Live Limitless podcast where we interview normal, everyday people who decided to push their limits and live a much more limitless and remarkable life. I am your host, Matthew G. Bailey, international man of curiosity, a writer, lifestyle entrepreneur, and connoisseur of world travel. When the interview's over, please take a moment to visit livelimitless.net. Say hello, I'd love to hear from you. You can also sign up for the newsletter or just look at the information on all the past interviews. All right, now that the intro's over, let's do this. Welcome to the uh, Live Limitless podcast. And joining us on the show today is Joe Magnotti and Justin Cook from Empire Flippers, who who not only help online entrepreneurs build and expand their online empires, but have also taken their niche site business from $30 a month to over 200000 back in 2012. I'm not sure what you guys are, are at now. Yeah, we're, uh, we're working on it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think last month we, we crushed it. We did about a little over $70,000, but wow. we're probably looking at four fifty to five fifty um, by the end of the year. Yeah, that's I'm incredible. very hopeful that 2014 could be a, a million dollar year. So that's what we're shooting for. You're going to have the, uh, the mansion and the bodyguard soon in the Philippines, I think. Oh my God. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> not that. We do have expenses. We have a whole team here yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> and we like we like to live under the radar too, especially in a third world country. It's it's probably not good to attract any attention. Yeah, that's true. Can you tell us a little bit about Empire Flippers? Yeah, so we uh, we were originally working for a local SEO company uh, in the U.S. and we were both uh, uh, you know mid to senior level management uh, directors in the company, and they had a need for offshoring. Um, so we had some connections to the Philippines. We said, look, why don't we set something up for you where we have agents do some of the work that we need done because we were growing at a really rapid pace. Okay. So why don't we have some of our agents do some of the work for you in the Philippines and we'll set that up. And we started doing it and it was working well. And then Joe and I actually uh, in an Outback steakhouse on the back of a napkin started writing out our plan uh, for escape. Basically, we wanted to put together uh, a plan that would outsource ourselves and send ourselves to the Philippines to start an outsourcing company with our previous employers as our major client. And, and that's basically what we did. Yeah, and Justin and I always had the dream of living overseas, but making Western money. I had lived in right. Brazil before, and Justin had done a lot of traveling as well. And I mean, I think that's the real dream. I mean, yeah, you can come to these countries and teach English and make $3 an hour, but that's no fun. Yeah, we want to build a business, and we saw a real opportunity with our current customer, or with our current employer, and said, look, we can turn them into a customer. Let's put a plan together. And with some advice from mentors and stuff, we were able to put that together and, and make it happen, which was really exciting for us. I remember the, the, the day we got the deal done, so we were so fired up, right? We were. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what, what made you want to, to leave the USA and start a life in the Philippines? I don't know if it was like, were you, was it just because you had traveled before? Or were you like inspired by a book or someone you had met? Or? So I'd been in the Navy before, and okay. so I'd, I'd been able to travel quite a bit, go to all these different countries and, and uh, you know, check them out you know, for short periods of time. And so I'd been exposed to other countries, and I knew that, you know, it's exciting for me. You know, I remember the first time I, you know, stepped on the shore of, uh, you know, in Asia, and I was like, wow, this place is so crazy and different. And I, I knew that I wanted, I'd had a taste of it. I knew I wanted a life that was full of that kind of interest yeah. and kind of like that exciting feeling, and I wanted more of that. 
Um, Joe had done quite a bit of time in, uh, he spent quite a bit of time in Brazil and then in uh, Italy for a while. And then we'd spent some time together in Thailand. Um, so we traveled quite a bit, knew that was what we wanted. We just didn't know how to get out of the rat race exactly and get back to it. Yeah, I mean, the lifestyle in these countries, in these third world countries, is great. I mean, you can live like a king for $35,000 a year. And that really attracted me. Uh, I always made you know, good money in the U.S., but nothing like retirement money, nothing that put me at the top of the food chain. And here in these countries, it's that's more easily attainable. And did you ever have like any uh, any doubts about the big move, that kind of stuff? Oh, sweet lord! Yeah, <laughs> definitely, man. Like, I mean, yeah, there were there are periods where, well, to tell you the truth, I still have a storage unit that I'm paying for back in the U.S. The whole, Joe's <laughs> laughing at me because he totally forgot about this. I have a storage unit with like basically an apartment's worth of stuff. I had a house and I, I sold or gave away a bunch of it. But I was like my, oh, you know, my, oh, shit, you know, thing where like I still right. have this stuff that I can go back to. Um, I, I still have it. I'm still paying for it. I don't need it now. I realize that I'm I'm past the point of, you know that worry. But I'll tell you, that was a huge one for us is that we're going to get stuck going back to the U.S. with our tail between our legs going, oh, my God, let me find a job now, I guess. Yeah. I mean, when Justin and I were here, the first two years we were here, we had some fundamental disagreements about the direction of our company and how we were going to solve certain issues. Uh, and, you know, several times came to the brink of saying, forget it. Let's just close up shop. And, you know, we just kept pressing and kept trying. And then when we discovered AdSense Flippers, now Empire Flippers, that's really when we were able to rejuvenate our business to something that we were happy to work on. Yeah, we, we, we diversified a bit and started building out new profit arms to our business. And we could see how that could uh, you know, continue to grow in a way that we weren't able to previously. Awesome. So what had led you to, or what, what led you to like niche sites as your income source? Was it because you, you already had a lot of experience with SEO? That kind of stuff? Well, it was a bit, um, but it was more out of necessity. So we had our outsourcing client, um, our main client, and we started adding new ones. But every time we added a new client, let's say three agents, we lost two, three, four agents from that main customer. So we were kind of just replacing it. And then further on down the road, they canceled the contract completely. So we were stuck with an additional eight or nine agents sitting around that were, you know, no longer, we weren't getting paid for and we couldn't pay for their salaries. And these were, these were sharp guys, you know, guys and gals that had worked for us for quite a while and were good. And we needed something to do with them. We just wanted to really just pay for their salaries so that we weren't stuck going out of pocket uh, to keep them on the team. And, and we tried a couple of different things to try to make a little bit of money to pay their salaries and they didn't work. Uh, The one that happened to stick, uh, was building these niche sites. And I remember, you know, the first time Justin brought it up, because I, I tried stuff like Mechanical Turk, which is, uh, you know, uh, uh, you get paid cents per task, and I, I we couldn't keep up with the salaries even here in the Philippines. Um, and then Justin brought up building AdSense sites. And I, I looked into it, and I really thought, oh, that's that, like, get-rich-quick scheme where <laughs> everyone's going to be a millionaire, and, you know, you put the advertisements on sites. That's not going to work. You remember what I originally told you? The first idea we had, and it kind of changed in this. I don't think we ever talked about this, but we we had an idea to uh, reach out to a bunch of colleges, universities, and try to find old publications that they had and try to put that online, like basically transcribe it, put it online, searchable, 
and then put AdSense on it. And we were hoping we could do that with students' notes, with you know lectures, that type of thing. And we yeah. were going to do that for a few universities to see if that made money. And that we eventually got away from that because we figured it would take uh, too long. There might be some problems with getting the content, and that's how we start out building niche sites instead. Hmm. That's that's interesting. Actually, I saw someone on TV the other day trying to to pitch that almost the same idea to the some venture capitalists where they're they're going to pay students to give them notes and put them online. Yeah, that's, that that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was something – I could see how that's doable. Um, but in the position we were at, trying to reach out to all those different universities and the people there and trying to get that content just seemed – it seemed like something that we wouldn't – where we wouldn't have control of our destiny. Yeah. Whereas with building niche sites, like we control everything. We're not waiting on someone else to deliver. We can just do it. Yeah, and plus I think our people were better suited towards building niche sites about random – categories random niches niches right where right. um we would have to get the colleges involved in that kind of process yeah, it's a and lot more have to, you know it would require a lot more pressure on us rather than our workforce so so to explain to your listeners a little bit like what the niche site means if, if they're not familiar basically we, we build these small niche sites and we find keywords that are profitable that advertisers are paying for but aren't so uh competitive that they're difficult to get ranked for so we build these small niche sites about very specific topics, and they get ranked in the search engines because there's so little top, uh, so little content about those particular niches, and then people click on the ads on the site, and we get advertising revenue. So the example we love to use all the time is blueskiboots.org, which is not a real website, so don't try to go there. But <laughs> what we would do is, let's say we determined that uh, blue ski boots was and easy to rank for on the first page of Google. And we figured out by doing some math and some keyword research that we could make at least $10 a month on average from that website. We would go ahead, we create a, a page, a website with five pages of content. We put it up there, we wouldn't do any link building, we don't do any link building. Uh, and we would wait for the traffic to come in over three, four months. Uh, and then once we've stabilized that website, and here's kind of the genius of the whole plan, is we go ahead and flip that website or sell it to investors all around the world in our marketplace. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. In December 2010, we started building sites. And uh, I think we spent a few thousand dollars and a bunch of our time and, and some of our agents' time here in the Philippines. And we made a total of $33 in December 2010. <laughs> it sucked. And we were like, wow, we're blowing all this money. It's not working. But we knew we'd have to wait a while. So we wanted to wait at least six months to kind of give it a shot. Around March or April, we, st we saw that it started to turn around, right, Joe? We're like, okay, it's starting to make a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks. And then I was like, Joe, let's just let's put more money into this. This is a winner. We're on a winner here. And he wasn't so hot on the idea. He didn't want to put any more money in. He wanted to wait. The problem with waiting for it to become, um, you know, for it to break even and, and right. turn profitable is that it would take a long time to build up the capital to grow it. So instead, we said, well, what if we sold off a few of our sites to, to fuel the – and just basically reinvest in the business to create more, build more team, uh, order more content, and build more sites. And that's what we did. We started realizing profits early so that we could reinvest in the process, and, and we grew it. Now, a lot of people built small sites, a couple of sites here, a dozen sites there. But we went on this like crazy, insane kick of building <laughs> – 
you know, hundreds, eventually thousands of these niche sites, all manually built, all created by us that were earning money. Yeah, we used to say that we were producing a novel's worth of content every week. So across all of our niche sites, we were doing something ridiculous that uh, constituted, you know, more than a small fictional novel. 80,000 words or something yeah. a week worth of content. Oh, wow. crazy. I can't even imagine like the, uh, the headache with having to, to manage that many sites, right? Well, that, yeah, that's the thing. It was pretty crazy at first. Um, uh, but once we were able to kind of, you know, we're, we're process-driven guys. I mean, that's what we do for our outsourcing clients, and that's kind of what we're, what we're used to. Plus, we have access to uh, fairly inexpensive labor over here to manually do a lot of this work. So we were able to back ourselves out of the process and build the, the basically the human machine that could really drive this process forward without us. And, and I think that's, that's kind of our unique position in this is that, we're able to build these types of human machines that allow us to back out and the business to continue on. And how, how do you determine how much to sell a site for? Well, we, we kind of let the market uh, decide. So okay. what, we did, what we did was we, we would put it on uh, Flippa. Let's say a site is earning um, 100 bucks a month. We would put it on Flippa, uh, which is the biggest like buying and selling uh, marketplace in the world. It's an auction site. It's like an eBay for websites. And we list it for a dollar with no reserve, meaning whatever anyone bids on it is whatever it sells for. Right. So, you know, big risk for us. But we were hoping that by, you know, driving, I, I'd done some eBay sales in the past. So I knew that if you start off with a dollar, no reserve, it drives a lot of attention, right? So That's our true. auctions would get a lot of attention because there's a bidding war and it drove the price up. In fact, we, we determined that we were regularly getting over 20x multiple, which means, 20 times the monthly net on the site. So it was making a hundred bucks. We would regularly get over $2,000 for the site. And that's when we realized, wow, if we're getting 20 X for these sites, that's pretty damn good. People, these are hot. People like them. Right. And so what we decided from there was, although we love the flip a platform, um, one of the issues with it was that you had to give away the URL beforehand. And that, that does lead to copycats and increased pressure within the niche increased competition yeah there are, there are ebooks that show people go to flippa uh find sites that are making money and just copy them right yeah. they tell people to do that all day long so there's even videos that say <laughs> look for a try bpo which is our username on flipper and copy and their copy sites because they make money so so <laughs> wow, yeah i mean there are all these people out there looking to copy sites and that was problematic for our buyers not for us right we'd sold the site yeah. but it was a problem for our buyers and our buyers actually asked is there any way you can sell us the sites without, uh, you know, displaying the URL? So we started to do some of these private sales, and uh, we came up with the conclusion: Why don't we just offer a marketplace on, uh, at the time, AdSense Flippers, now Empire Flippers, where we offer our sites for sale at a fixed price of twenty times multiple, where we give enough information away to make a reasonable, educated decision about the site, but not everything. So until you buy the site, the URL is not re revealed. Uh, other aspects of the site are not revealed. But you kind of get all the numbers and the statistics that, that make it count. You can also see trending lines, whether the sites are going up or down uh, in the last 30 days, last 60 days, that kind of stuff. Because we automatically connect to the AdSense API and pull that information down. And we, we've been able to build a pretty big uh, you know, audience at this time. We had uh, the Empire Flippers podcast, uh, the Empire Flippers blog. And so we had a lot of readers and listeners that were, you know, following our stuff and a lot of interest uh, in purchasing our site. So 
it was kind of a, just a great uh, match for us. We'd, we'd taken the you know free approach for information. So a lot of times people charge you, oh, well, I'll tell you kind of the secret on how we make money online, and then I'll charge you $79.95 for the rest. Well, we said, let's, let's break that model, and let's just give it away for free, everything exactly and detailed for everyone. Yeah, that whole niche process I talked about with Blue Ski Boots, we absolutely give that process away in our guide and we were for when, free. Yeah, and we were when we were going along uh, the process too, and people love that. They really like resonate with people. Said, "Wow, these guys are showing us how much they make, how they're making their money, and the sites that they're building to, to do it." And and that really uh, resonated, and we were able to build quite an audience in a, in a pretty short amount of time. It would really build the trust, right? Yeah, I think that's key, especially when you're doing business online. You know, you have a lot of jokers yeah. that. Are anonymous and maybe not even jokers, but they just they prefer to remain anonymous. Well, it's kind of a bad thing because when you're online, you know, around the world, like you know, it's it's there's a trust issue there. So if we're like, look, here are our names, here's what we do. You can read everything about us. We're really open. You know, people are like, okay, well, I, I get these guys. I know where they're coming from. And uh, I was going to ask you too. I, I I think I heard you a while back say that you don't do any. Uh... Any link building, right? Well, right? we did originally. We started yeah. link building, and we had some pretty amazing results. We we're using a blog network called Build My Rank, right, yeah. and we took a huge hit. So a bunch of our sites tanked or had issues, and it had a lot to do with the link building. So we decided to take a much less aggressive approach uh, when it comes to link building, not building at all. Now, we weren't getting ranked as uh, quickly, and some of our more aggressive uh, niches that we were targeting – uh, wouldn't get wouldn't get the earnings or wouldn't get the uh, the traffic they were getting before, but it's a much safer process. And then we can hand over a clean and I you know quote unquote clean site to buyers because it hasn't had any links built. If they if they know a you know good process for link building, they can then apply it themselves. Yeah, we we leave that to be upside for the buyers. They really do know what they're doing and they have a good clean link building white hat process that won't get tanked by Google. Go ahead and apply that. But we've found that if we're going to do this over hundreds or even thousands of sites, there's just no good enough clean link building process out there that's reliable and won't get your sites tanked. So we had to take a step back and say, you know what, we, we can't, our sites are not going to make as much anymore, but they're going to be more stable, they're going to be more reliable, we're going to have more successes and less uh, hits from Penguin and Panda. Penguins and pandas, those, those uh, black, <laughs> black and, and white, white beasts animals. tearing oh, us up. Yeah. They're crazy animals. Well, actually, it's it's uh, a friend of mine actually had a, a jailbreaking iPhone site. <coughs> and I remember, I, I don't know what he did with like b Build My Rank and all those sites, but he had that site up to uh, 4000 a month at one point. And, uh, and then pretty much overnight, it, it, was, it was nothing. Yeah, it's 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 painful, man. Um, what we started to do, or you know, we realized that if we put more time and effort on the front end, which means the keyword research, and we're really picking the best keywords we can, that we're targeting niches that are um, underserved as far as content goes online. Like you know, really kind of crappy sites uh, are popping up, or crappy pages are popping up that aren't really related. And you know, if we uh, build a very highly targeted a niche site around that keyword, we know that we can beat those pages and, and provide a better user experience than the crap that's currently there. And do you feel that like that uh, niche sites are still like a great way for people for, uh, who are just getting started? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think the fundamentals you learn with building niche sites apply to almost anything you're going to want to do right. regarding building sites. So, uh, you know, from keyword research, determining kind of the right metrics to look at, to finding the right keywords that you think you have a chance to rank for, to, you know, building on the WordPress platform, to adding content. Yep. I mean, these are all like fundamental building blocks that anyone needs. And I really think niche sites are a great way to get started because it doesn't take a year or 18 months to start seeing returns. It's a very low investment on the front and a short time to the money. And that's really the key, I think, is that you can get one of these sites up for uh, just a handful of dollars, register a domain, and if you didn't want to write the content, maybe you bought the content. Uh, you did, if you did the rest yourself, I mean, you could do it for as little as 25 or 30 bucks. Um, so uh, you could build a lot of these sites and make mistakes you could play around with things yeah we screwed up the first sites we built there was we and this is you know the details or whatever but we built sites around broad match uh, on the google keyword tool right, which yeah. you know is is not a good idea i i found out that one of the sites i built on broad match was like yeah it has like eight thousand searches a month well not really it has you know 76 you know exact match searches a month so that's not gonna make <laughs> as much money but yeah so i mean you're gonna get you're gonna figure out these kind of like, you know, donkey mistakes early on and get them out of the way on inexpensive sites. I would have hate to have made that mistake on a site I was putting a lot of love, effort and energy into and found out 9 months later that it wasn't a good, you know, wasn't a good site to build. That would have that would have ripped my soul out, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So it's better to make those mistakes I think with with niche sites. Now, that said, uh, you know, Justin and I have tried to build a little bit more authority sites larger niche sites. Uh, and we've struggled with that process. I mean, that's something that we're trying to learn how to do. Uh, Spencer does it great over at Niche Pursuits. Uh, we're trying to copy some of his uh, methods so that we can start building larger sites that obviously make more money every month and therefore will sell for a higher multiple. Yeah. So yeah, we made a mistake. Well, we, we screwed up. It just didn't work on two sites that we attempted. And I think it might have had something more to do with bad domains we picked up from a domain broker that might have okay. been tainted in some way. Um, so it's something we definitely need to go back to. Um, but yeah, we, we tried it out and it didn't work. And we said, you know, why why not roll with what's rolling? You know what I mean? Why not yeah. just continue with what's working out and making money? And we'll be those guys. And everyone's, you know, uh, everyone turns out happy. So, um, you know, what we realized later on after starting Empire Flippers and, and having a marketplace, we now have a place where people can buy and sell their own sites uh, through Empire Flippers. We do a, a check on their background and on the site's background. Um, and then, uh, you know, if they pass, we allow them to list on our marketplace. And we've sold, you know, up to like full-on e-commerce sites uh, for, you know, $40,000, dollars $70,000 um, down to, you know, a couple thousand dollars for smaller sites and packages. A couple of hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, we sold <laughs> 400 dollars. Oh, yeah, we, we, we've sold very small sites. And then I think the, the great thing about Empire Flippers is all the other stuff, because we kind of unified our brands. We had an outsourcing side of our company, and we had an online marketing part. And we just said, you know, screw it. Let's unify our brands. We also had a, a Twitter background company, um, uh, a, a theme company where we sold a thing called IntelliTheme. Now everything is under one brand, Empire Flippers. We have a lot of products and services that we offer, and we're able to push it all through one site, which makes it a lot easier for us. And do you find like if you're building that many niche sites, and and so are other people, like is 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 there really that many keywords? 
I think so. And I see this sometimes too um, in in this space and other spaces where, you know, some people start and they, they find some keywords or whatever, but the more you do it, the more you start to feel like, oh, now it's it's old, it's old hat or it's oversaturated. And honestly, people were telling us AdSense was horrible when we started this. They said, you're crazy. You're never going to make any money with AdSense. It's a horrible monetization option. You guys are insane. And and we, we started it because we said, I don't care. I'm just going to head down and just knock it out. I'm going to try. If you don't try anything, you're never going to, you know, you're never going to get anything. So yeah, we're just going heads down and, and bust through it. And it worked, right? It made money. Um, it was doing really well for us. So I, I kind of ignore the naysayers. Like it's it's a lot easier to tell people, oh, it's never going to be work and be that cynic than it is to actually head down and knock it out. You know, as far as the keyword research part goes, I think we have the same problem with our internal staff. Some of them do keyword research right now, and they get burnt out on it after doing it for mm. six months. They start to say, oh, it's so hard to find new keywords. And then I teach a new person the process, and they find totally new keywords because they go after niches that the old guy never even thought of. Yeah, that's a good so point. you know, it's look, search is expanding, not falling. There's more searches every year because more and more people are using the internet, and more and more things are coming online. So the idea that um, there should be less and less niches because there are more and more people doing this. I think that's just false. Yeah, more more content. I, I saw this recently. More content uh, uh, has been created in the last two years than in all of human history combined. Before that, that's that's insane. Yeah, that yeah. is really insane. And so, and like just just to, to find a right keyword, it has to have like a um, like how many monthly searches do you usually have? To yeah. So. We really kind of cover all the details in our guide, Building a Niche Site Empire, okay. um, which we give for free. But I'll tell you, it's it's about a thousand exact match search keywords and about a dollar CPC. We set both parameters a little lower so that we can catch the ones that fall outside. So we set like the, the tool at 800 and an 80 cent CPC. But yeah, that, that's that's about right. And you know, obviously they can go up from there. But most of our keywords that we find have somewhere between 800 exact match searches and 4,000 exact match searches. And do you find like the, the key, sorry, that the keywords also have to have like a kind of a saleability to them? Like yeah. A, yeah. So we, we, we built niche sites that were around painters, uh, famous yeah, painters. Yeah. One of them was around a famous painter. Um, and he's like a historical figure and it just, it was kind of silly because people would go like, look at the paintings um, and they liked them, but they, they weren't clicking on any advertisements that were on the page. So, yeah, I mean, they have to have a certain marketability. Yeah. And we look at that. Um, but sometimes, I don't know, sometimes we have built those sites and they did just turn out to be winners. And Yeah, and I've seen niche sites that, you know, don't make any sense. And, and it's really a strange niche. And you would say, why would that make any money? And, and it works. So, you know, if look, if the search volume is there and you have enough searches, you're People are going to click the ads. It's, yeah, it just it depends on how many they're going to click. And we do all this hardcore um, prep work to make sure we're picking the right niches. But in the end, sometimes they work out and we never would have expected it. And sometimes they suck when we expected them to do great. Yeah, right now we have about a, maybe a 20 to 30% failure rate. Failure meaning that the site doesn't even make enough in the like first nothing. year yeah. to pay for its own renewal. So we have to basically drop that entire site from our library and just say, oh, well. It was a loser. Sucks. It didn't work. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but when you're building in mass like this, you don't really care about that. You just care about the positive ROI overall. 
Yeah, and you, you, I guess you, you were saying you build it out and, and you, you just leave it and wait for the money to come in, right? No links at all. Yeah, I think, I think that's what some people get kind of, uh, they misunderstand about, you know, the way we're building our business and the way we think, uh, you know, is, is a good way to build uh, other people's businesses is, is we, we really back ourselves out of the process. So I'm not, I, I'm not even involved in the day-to-day of building knit sites and neither is Joe. He's a bit involved when we sell sites, but even that is mostly taken care of by our team. Our, our goal in business is to take a team of people, put them on a new process that we've tested out, have them run it, and then find a new uh, arm or you know profit stream to continue building out our empire. And that's, right. I think, the, the key uh, point. Yeah, and then lock down that process with the new arm and teach that to our folks. And then again, just keep replicating and moving on. And that's when you build a business that's just going to be very stable. Um, you know, it's, it's like the, the and table. growth and growth oriented. Yeah. Scalable. It's the, it's the table with eight legs. You know, it really is going to be, uh, it's going to hold up. And would you say, um, so like just, uh, aside from the more business questions, like, would you, would you say your mindset is, has changed since moving to a developing country? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I'd say, I'd say our minds, well, on a personal level, it's changed a bit, uh, being here in the Philippines. One of the things though, that we found is that we're, you know, on an Island literally. So it's difficult to connect, uh, to other sharp entrepreneurs that are building interesting businesses online. Cause that just, there's not a lot of that here. Yeah. So we've had to reach out a bit more than we would have been comfortable with before. But we also realized that that allows us to connect with other people that are uh, similar to us and doing cool stuff that we can connect with online. And and that has kind of changed the game a little bit for us in that we've made a ton of connections over the last couple of years. Really, if, if, if we could have done anything differently um, years ago when we started the outsourcing company, I would have been way more transparent in our approach to business and sharing information online. I would have just said everything. You know, before we thought, you know, if we want to be a real company, you know, quote unquote real company, we have to put up this front, right? It has to be this like, you know, we're it's a corporate site and we're very professional and you know, you can deal with my staff. No, no, no. That's that's ridiculous. It, it, now it should all be personalized and content driven, right? The real deal. Like here's our business, here's what we do. And honestly, you you end up attracting clients and partners that, that know you, that you want to do business with, that are cool, that have good connections, and that's way better. Yeah, and that are your customers for life because really they want to do business with you. So there's it's, it's very hard for competitors to steal them away or to do business with them in any other way because they, they just want to do business with the Empire Flippers. Um, on a personal note, though, you know, I will say that moving to the third world for me has really provided a lot more life-work balance um, yeah. you know, play work balance kind of thing than I could have back home because, hey, I can afford a maid, a cook, a personal trainer. I mean, you know, all that stuff is kind of taken care of me, for me. So now I have more time to work. I'm more productive with those work hours. And then my play hours are filled with, you know, going to the gym. I play basketball. I travel. I'm able to do that kind of stuff because I'm not sitting there doing my laundry every week. Yeah, at, at the yeah. risk of sounding completely elitist, but like we've really outsourced our lives. I'm, I'm, you know, we have, like, yeah, I have a maid that um, cooks everything for me, takes care of all of my laundry, folds it and hangs it, and you know, I, it's like the magic laundry hamper. 
I throw the clothes in and they're nice and pressed uh, in my closet. It's, it's amazing. So that is just clockwork. The bills are all paid. I have a, a nice little fund that it goes down. Um, the receipts are put in and I fill it back up and I don't worry about any of that food shopping. Uh, I don't do any of that unless I want to, unless I want to go buy stuff. So it's weird. It sounds probably sounds, it would sound weird to me four years ago, but that's what my life's become. I don't focus on any of the, the kind of, you know, extraneous kind of living things. Uh, so I can focus strictly on business or pursuits. You know, it's pretty interesting, even in like the, the four hour work week, you know, he talks a lot about outsourcing business, but you guys have really outsourced everything. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we we took some of that to heart. I'd read that before. Joe actually just read the four hour work week recently, um, but I'd read it before we moved to the Philippines. And and uh, he talks about like outsourcing dating and stuff. And he does that kind of to, oh, to make yeah. a point and a joke. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, that's not something he's continuing regularly, but definitely like outsourcing kind of the the sillier tasks or the the things that that take away from your free time and letting you focus on work is is fantastic and there's no way you couldn't afford to do that in the US unless you were absolutely crushing it right yeah, you exactly. wouldn't have a personal trainer you wouldn't have them stopping by your house you wouldn't have a maid you know, a driver, you wouldn't have any of this stuff. Uh, yeah. Really and what that really enables you to do though, is, is free up those extra hours every week that you can either work with or pursue your own interests. And, and that's really what's opened my eyes. I think it's given me so much more free time to relax and have the ability to travel, take care of my body, that kind of thing. I think I even noticed on the, your site that you, uh, had a boxing match, is that right? Yeah, I did a boxing match uh, back in May of 2012. It's uh, it's been um, about a year. We actually have a video. We have to put it up, but yeah, uh, we did. Uh, we rented out a gym here. It only cost me about two thousand dollars. A five thousand seater arena. We gave away <laughs> tickets for free to the local Filipinos Look, and, I, and made like, foreigners. We charged awesome. foreigners, and there was there was nine under oh, sorry eight undercards, and then I was the main event as a three round. Uh, amateur boxing I should be matches. clear. This started off as like a you know a drunken bet between <laughs> between Joe and another buddy uh, expat that we have here, and and you know they're teasing each other a little bit, and yeah, you know we'll we'll have a boxing match. It'll be fun. We'll do a couple of rounds, and then you know they started looking into it, and we had our team kind of like talking about it, and and they were like, oh maybe we can rent like a you know a little space, and then we found a gym, and then all of a sudden we were getting sponsors, and like oh my god, and there was a charity <laughs> event. And then, yeah, I think by the time the thing went up, there were probably, I don't know, a thousand people there and screaming. It was just, it was just off the hook. We had an FHM girl there as one of the ring girls. It was ridiculous. All yeah, of a sudden, they're like, the... "Yeah, we're gonna put you up against uh, Mike Tyson if that's okay." Oh my god! No, it's just you know, it was, it was Joe and, and a buddy, but they trained quite a bit for it, and it was just uh, for everyone involved. It was a really fun event. Um, we ended up uh, giving a bunch of money to the. Uh, the House of Hope, uh, which is a great charity organization here in Davao, uh, a bunch of kids that, that are suffering with cancer. And it's just a really, really fun, cool event that we're able to put on. And, and like, there's no way you could pull something like that off in the U. I mean, you, I guess you could. It but. would cost you $100,000. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we rented, even though it was a small arena, it was a, a little mini arena. And there yeah. was a ton of people there and sponsors and snacks. And oh, dude, it was craziness. Crazy. Yeah. So uh, definitely one of the greatest things I've ever been a part of. And and the Philippines facilitated that. So I, I have to say 
that this place is great if you're going to take advantage of it like that. And also, the other benefit of being an expat uh, overseas, especially in a country like the Philippines, is that you get a lot of like VIP treatment that that you wouldn't get elsewhere. We go to uh, there's a beauty pageant in a town outside Davao City, and they give us you know VIP seats and VIP treatment. Um, you know, Joe's taking a uh, hops in a personal plane with a guy we're talking about doing wow. business with. Treats him like a boss, puts him in the front seats, or flying the plane all around Davao, and I just—I mean, just like that kind of That's crazy amazing. stuff that you just get—you fall into these kind of like really interesting experiences uh, being an expat overseas. Yeah, that, that, that's really incredible. And then um, I was going to ask you just just one more question since it's probably uh, getting pretty late there, but um, just for any listeners on the call that are like. You know they're they're really craving to do something so different or exciting in their lives, but they're they're still pretty afraid or held back or have a lot of doubts. Like, what would be your advice for them? I mean, my advice would be to dedicate time every day to doing it. You know, I, I lost thirty five kilos in in the last few years uh, by going to the gym and starting to go to the gym, um, and. Above and beyond starting out, I would say, is being consistent. So I carry that through to the rest of my life. I try to make sure I have dedicated hours for work, dedicated hours for play, dedicated hours for reading, dedicated hours for sleeping, and I stick to that. And if you can make that promise to yourself and do that day in and day out, you will see results. If that's building niche sites, if that's you know wanting to improve your Spanish, whatever it is, Make sure you do it on a regular schedule. I would say for someone that's you know like looking to make a lifestyle change in the fact that they want to travel or or move abroad, um, you're never going to have enough money to where you feel completely comfortable, enough savings to where you can feel completely comfortable. There are no guarantees, but most of the time, you know, it doesn't end up badly. In fact, normally it ends out it ends out great for the people that do it. So. A lot of times there's fear holding you back. Like, if I just had this or if I could just get that, I'll take that step. And they end up missing it and it takes a long time and they end up never doing it. Yeah, and to expand on Justin's point a little bit more, I would just say, you know, be willing to accept a little bit less. And I think if you can t if you could take that with a grain of salt and say, you know, I don't need to make $150,000 a year and have a high-pressure job where I work 65 hours a week. I would rather make you know, a reasonable amount of money and live overseas and be able to travel and have more freedom in my life, yeah, my, my, my number is not going to be as high as maybe somebody back home with a job, but you're going to have more personal freedom. Yeah, you can live uh, a very similar lifestyle. Your quality of life and the benefits you get for 50000 in the Philippines, um, that would cost you similarly about $300,000 a year in yeah. Singapore. Really <laughs> expensive. So. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, there are some differences and stuff, but yeah, your life uh, can be significantly improved um, by picking the right place to live. And sometimes you just, I guess, you really have to just uh, up and take the risk, right? If you yeah, want to call think, it a risk. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that I, uh, I would call it a risk because going off and doing that thing that you really want to do, you're going to be so interested in that. You're going to head down that path with so much gusto. Um, that there's a much better chance that you're you're not going to fail with it. So, yeah, hanging into a job where you don't really like, where you're not really, you know, willing to kind of go the extra mile for. What the hell is that? What kind of life is that? You know? Yeah, exactly. And you only get one, right? Yeah. 
Well, thanks a lot, guys, for coming on the podcast. It was awesome having you and totally uh, a lot different than many of the other ones because this one had a, a little more business involved as well. It was really oh, man, it's, been, it's been great talking to you. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome, man. Thanks. All right, take Thank care. you, Matthew. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, that's the end of episode number 12. Definitely a little more of a, a business background on this one, which is great for anyone who's interested in starting any kind of a income source online. Uh, if you'd like to hear more from Joe or Justin, you can just visit their site at empireflippers.com. And if you uh, sign up for their newsletter, you'll actually get a free copy of the ebook that explains everything they do and how to build a niche site from scratch. Aside from that, please stop by livelimitless.net. Sign up for our newsletter too so you can be notified of the next podcast. And also, if you'd like to leave a comment for, uh, for Joe and Justin on the blog, that'd be great and I'll get them to answer that. Other than that, please leave a review on iTunes. It'd be very much appreciated. See you next week.